Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Kilbrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Kilbrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So, Without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. I am Kiki Orr, and I am from Harlem, born and raised native New Yorker, and I'm still in Harlem. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and do you identify as African-American or Black, or how do you identify? I identify, I identify as Black. I'm a Black, yeah. I'm a Black woman, Blackity Black Black. That's how I identify. <laughs> All day, every day. <laughs> And what, what would you like to share about your ancestry? You know, it's so interesting because I was listening to one of the interviews that you did before, and I always get a, a little bit, you know, I get a, a bit emotional at the question because mm. it is a, a feel, for me, it feels like a constant reminder of how much I don't know about my ancestry, oh. right? Um, I mean, I know like, so I, I this is what I know. Um, I know that my grandmother was, um, born in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that she married a gentleman to which she had four children. And she, it is believed that he was from St. Lucia. Um, mm -hmm. And she only knows that, well, she feels like she knows that he was from of Caribbean descent, but she believes that because of his accent, that was, that was the telltale. But in terms of having any kind of evidence of him being from St. Lucia. She wasn't really sure. She said when she first met him, he was living in this home with other, um, I'm going to say other immigrants, right? Um, and so she, she, he said that's where he was from and she believed it to be so, but she doesn't know for certain. 
right? So that's as much as I know. And so I often feel um, quite sad about the fact that I don't know much about kind of my ancestors past that. And my grandmother, um, mother, oh gosh, I think she, she passed when she was relatively young. Mm. Um, so she doesn't have, she didn't have much, much knowledge of her then. So it's a lot that, it's a lot that I, I don't know. Um, so it's, it's kind of sad, but what I know, but what I know of, I'm happy about, that's what I know. (laughs) Thank you. So I'm so excited to hear about your experience living and you can share as much living or working or going to school, uh, whatever you'd like to share during the pandemic. And if you could just Mm -hmm. start in 2020, some people started in 2019 and just narrate. I know you're an amazing storyteller and just narrate through their present day. You know, it's so interesting because I started to, you know, um, I like to say in preparation for, I was prepared for, but I, I didn't, but really quickly, I just start to jot some notes because one of the things that I was thinking was, how um, how you always how I always remember um, the pandemic, and yet it feels like it also feels like a distant memory, right? It's like I'll never forget it. And then I was like, I think part of it also is that I'm carrying a lot of a lot of it in my kind of DNA, right? I think it has has left some um, residual effects from it um, that I'm actually experiencing present day moment, and we can talk about that later. Um, but starting in 2020, I actually will never forget because it was, um, I remember, I remember being in the office and there was some mentioning of the possibility of us, um, having to go home, but not really right at first they were like, let's do stag, um, stag, staggered schedules. We will start staggering people in so that people are not on the train, all of that stuff. And all of that just seems very weird to me at the time. I'm like, why isn't anyone just making a decision outright to have people like just go home? This whole um, work that we were doing to put together staggered schedules and all of that, it just seemed so cumbersome at the time. Um, and then no sooner than they began to do that process, we were told um, to not return to the office. And I thought that and I thought that that would be literally like a week, two weeks, right? I was like, is this maybe two weeks the most? Um, so I did not do a lot of preparation for that, right? And, and I, I don't do a lot of preparation for that kind of stuff in general. Like if there's a storm or something or a tornado, well, you don't really have many tornadoes here, but you know, storm and they're like, you need to, you know, there's a snowstorm coming, you should go shopping. I'm like, yeah, no, no, thank you, right? Um, so I didn't do much preparation for that. And as you know, as the toilet tissue story goes, right, that everyone was going out for the toilet tissue and all that stuff, but I, I didn't do that. And I think I had what I, I had what I needed to have in the moment that I needed. And, um, and then it was like, I felt like, you know, a couple of days went by and of course being um, the work. So I'm a trainer. Uh, I work for the city of, well, I was a trainer. I am since been promoted. To a director, but at the time I was, yeah, we will talk about that later. Don't get too excited, but I thank you. Um, anywho, anybody looking for an amazing trainer, director, here I am. So that's my plug. Uh, with that being said, we were um, in the, I was at home, and of course we had to now do everything online. And much of what I do, so again, I work for the city of New York as a trainer, we provide the municipal ID cards for New York City residents. And so much of that is in person. It's like, if you think of the DMV, which we're not, but it's New York City 
uh, identification, people have to come in to get the ID. We were right on the precipice of, of celebrating our fifth year anniversary of the card. And so people were coming up for renewals. And so now people coming up for renewals, they would generally come into the centers to get their card renewals. That now needed to hurry up and be bought to online. Mm -hmm. The challenge though with that is that you're bringing that online and people are getting IDs, but where are they going to utilize uh, the IDs, right? It has the benefits, but no one is going anywhere. Um, so kind of to navigate that, keeping people's interest in terms of the card and having them do this online renewal. So as a trainer, I one had to um, do that. There was still people that we were hiring. So I was doing new hire training online and a, a part of my training requires for me to, is a technical part because they have to know how the staff has to know how to actually put the ID in the what we call a B5000 right I'm not going to get all the technical but it's a technical component of it so being able to support them with doing a technical and I have to be like really resourceful and think about well how I'm going to do that now like via zoom but your girl is resourceful and I figured out a way because they have to like do data entry and all of that stuff. So I just did like sh uh, screen sharing to allow them to do data entry, remote in. I mean, it was actually, I want to say that I was quite proud mm -hmm. of myself and my resourcefulness. And um, I was very excited to get up to go to work every day. Um, and going to work to go online and thinking about and being able to create this curriculum uh, that is now part of our new normal. And because I have not had that kind of rush or excitement in a long time to be now, we're in the midst of something. We need to have a new system, a process be implemented. How are we going to do this, right? You have all of these people that are at home, staff that are at home, they still want to be able to contribute in their work. Some of staff got redirected to different um, departments and organizations, but the ones that we still have working for us, what are the work that we get to create for them? How do we keep them engaged and all of that? So that was really excited for me. I felt like I was in a startup again, right? So excited. Um, so that was kind of the, the work aspect of it. And I kind of immersed myself into work. Uh, I didn't realize then what I realize now is that getting up and getting dressed is cumbersome mm -hmm. and I was happy to not do it. I don't know like whoever invented jeans like at the time, like now I put jeans on, I feel like I have an allergic reaction to jeans. I'm like, this is not comfortable. Um, the notion of doing your hair, all of that is just, it just seems like it seems post pandemic. It just seems like a lot right? Mm -hmm. um, so I was thrilled for the most part to not do that. I didn't own any sweatpants, any loungewear. Um, so that was problematic. I was like, I, I should probably be getting dressed because, you know, you, this, this idea of, of dressing from the top up doesn't work because if you are fully focused, as I often am, you'll forget that you're dressed only from the top up. <laughs> Had a couple of surprises, but anyway, <laughs> um, my daughter, anyway, we won't go. It, there was some, I had some challenges. Um, I was, I was one of those moms, y'all. Um, yeah. So that was kind of my work life. And then like kind of navigating. So I'm at home with a, I have three daughters who are amazing, um, but they're adults and they're out. Two of them are adults and they're out the house. So I have one that's still at home. And at that time she was finishing up her uh, she was finishing up middle school 
um, preparing for high school. That was a lot. It was, it was, now I actually think about it. I don't know why part, part of me gets emotional about it. And I didn't think that I would get emotional about that part. Um, because her connections with her friends, right? As she had known it had changed. Um, I mean, changed for all of us, right? But like having a, a child in the house who's, my daughter is very outgoing and she values her relationships and her friendships and she's always going out and doing things. And so to not have that occur was challenging, but also um, being able to have the structure of going to getting up and going to a school building. And now she's at home. And yes, I'm going to tell your business um, child, but it is behind us. So it's okay. Right. Um, you were better, you were a better young lady for it. But during the time it was like getting her up in the morning. And it was sometimes that I'd get her up to get ready for school and to get ready for class. And then her teacher, this is when she was in middle school, her teacher, uh, the, the office person would call me and it's like, um, is she on, is she online? And I'm like, yeah, I woke her up. I go, she's in the bed with the laptop on her, <laughs> knocked out, knocked out. And that was like, it that was a constant. It wasn't like a once in the blue, it was a lot. Or she or I always been like, so um, I hear her like on the phones, but like she's supposed to be in class and I hear on the phone with her friends and they're like kikiing and they're having all this fun. And I'm like, aren't you supposed to be in class? I am in class. And so I felt like I was literally the, like the dean, right? The dean of students. And I'm like, I did not sign up to be the dean of students. And so then you get text message. Oh, she's supposed to be in this class. And I was like, oh, she's having um, lunch now. She gets up and then she decides right at the start of the class, I'm hungry. Ma'am, at the start of class, you're hungry? So this is like what I was, I mean, I'm sure if you're a parent, you probably could identify. This is what I was going through. Um, and it was a lot. And I often felt like I was constantly like badgering her, like on her, on her, on her. Um, but I also tried to balance that with being gentle and loving and understanding that we are in the midst of pandemic and this is new and and it's new and it's different. And, um, and she's a young person and they'll you know push the limits and boundaries as much as they can. So that was exasperate. It was, it was a lot. Uh, fast forward, she then went to, um, to a new school, right? To a, a new school for high school. And so imagine being in this new school, high school, new people um, needing to navigate that and not really knowing people. So I'm there, I'm online, but I'm not really online because like, I don't really want to show my face because I don't really know you all. I don't, I want to participate, but I really don't want to participate. So it was a lot of kind of navigating through that. Um, and just kind of talking her through that and people not really knowing who she is, right. Because how much are you really getting to know, but the, the school actually did quite, they did a really good job with working to have them be acclimated before coming into the, before starting high school. Um, tried to do a little meetup online and do activities of that nature to get them connected. So they did do, they did do their part. And then there's the part of just who you are by nature, being a, being a, a teenager and kind of navigating teen life and all of that. So we got through that um, barely, but we got through it. Um, I like to think about, so that's school, that's work. And then in terms of like, when I think about family, right? Um, 
well, actually family when Nyla Starr and I, so that's my, my youngest daughter, she's now 16. But I was like, I could only watch, but so much television, right? I was like Netflixed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a lot, a lot of television. I stayed up late, late at night, but I still was still excited to get up in the morning because I didn't have to think about getting dressed. So that, mm-hmm. was, that was very, I was happy with that. I actually, you know, it's interesting. I worked out more um, during the pandemic than I did before. Um, I exercised, I was creating this structure for myself that I probably, that I think it's probably apt, was absent when I was actually getting up to go to work every day. Um, I cooked, I cooked, I listen, let me just tell you, your girl stopped cooking a long, long time ago. Um, and so I do a lot of takeout. And um, I cooked, well, actually, because we couldn't really, well, we could still order, but I was actually, I was actually cooking more during the, during the pandemic, which was really nice. And just trying to find creative ways for Nala Star and I to continue to like to connect. And so there was lots of TikTok, lots of TikTok. I challenged myself to do the renegade dance. I should probably show you, wait, I should probably show you my renegade dance. I can't show you in person because I don't remember it anymore. But I like challenged myself to do the renegade and Nala Star would not teach it to me because she was like, you just take way too long to learn this stuff. And it's just, it's just too much. It's just, it's just too much. Right. So I was like, I'm going to get it. And I got it and I got it good. And she joined me. So if you want to go to my TikTok, you can see my TikTok. There was lots and lots of TikTok going on. Um, but I also wanted us to do, we did like a, uh, a picnic in the house, right? We did our like in-house picnic and we had seafood. So just wanted to just create some level of, I don't, I actually don't want to say normalcy because that wouldn't be normal, but just create some different things that we get to do so that we could break the monotony of what was happening on the day-to-day basis. So TikTok, uh, videos, I, lots of home improvement, um, lots of online shopping, um, but for the but for the benefit of home, what can we do to improve our space to make it feel wonderful? Now you're like sitting in these, you know, all these walls, not more than four walls, thank, thankfully, but all these walls. And um, we wanna make sure that we're as comfortable. Before it was like, we were comfortable and we were happy with it, but we don't spend a lot of time at home. So who really, you know, not that we didn't care, but who cared? Uh-huh. So just making sure that that was our space was um, was what we wanted it to be. And so Nala Star had a new bed, like she got a new bedroom set and she and I put together her bedrooms, you know, her bed together. Um, and and when I think about my family, um, there was a time for us to do some connection with that. So like my extended family. So I put together a, a family, got, we got talent, talent show. Oh, um, so we did a, we got family talent show and, um, and my family was on and they, everybody like did, they could choose to, to share. They could either be voyeurs, just watch, no supporters, I should say, (laughs) and watch and clap, or they could, you know, actively do something. So, um, most of them did. And what was nice is that some did it as individuals and then some did it as a collective, like as mm-hmm. a family unit. Like my sister and my um, 
I'm sorry, I'm getting not, I'm, I'm not actually sorry for getting emotional, but I'm thinking back at that time because um, it probably was one of our last family gathering before my mom passed. Oh. Um, hmm. So, um, hmm. yeah. So just like thinking about her, you know, it's, it's so it's so interesting. I think about my mom. She's, you know, people look at me like, oh, your mom is like outgoing. Like they think that I am. Everyone's like, oh, you're so outgoing. But she's actually very quite, can be very quite shy. Um, and she likes to rhyme a lot. She thinks she's a rapper, um, much like, like I, I'm, I'm really a rapper. Um, she likes to think she is, but she's cute. Like she'll say these things and she'll like, my name is, you know, whatever. She'll say, I can't even think of some random rap thing she does. So I was like, oh, mom, what you going to do? What are you going to do? And then she's like, okay, my name is Ness and I'm the bet. And then she just started busting out laughing. But that's like the shy part of her. And she just like cracking herself up. And we're like, and she's like laughing at herself. Um, so just like reminiscing on her doing her rhyme that she never actually completely did, but it was okay. Um, Cause she's just so much fun and so much joy. Um, but we had our family, we had our family, uh, she got challenge show and it was lots and lots of fun. Like I even put together a flyer for it. Like I was real, I, I tell you, I was tapped into my creative flow and that felt I felt so, while there was moments, and I'll get to the moments of sadness too, but there was moments of kind of sadness. Um, I was working to be very intentional about creating joy. Mm. I was very intentional because there was so much death that was Mm. happening, right? Every single day, so much death. And then feeling like helpless and hopeless and how, how, what am I, what can I do and how can I, support. And I felt like during that time, I probably donated, um, um, not like I'm rich at all, but like if it was $25 or $50 right to some organization or, um, uh, to, to the civil unrest that was happening, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, right. Floyd. I like, I, I marched then. So I even felt that I even had, I felt like I had more time to even contribute to causes and so again, while, while it felt like, while we were here, I felt like I did a lot, right? I felt like I was like really still actively engaged as much as I could be and or created opportunities for engagement. And I, I, I'm gonna keep doing this. I keep doing this kind of dance between, like I know this is about pandemic, but I feel like I do this dance between then and kind of now. And because I, there's a lots of it that I actually mourn. I actually mourn some of the then. And the then that I mourn, um, uh, um, in addition to my losses, is the, the idea of being able to have this family time, this connection, this self-care that I felt like got lost once I started to go back, to, like life got normal again. And like the hecticness of this and this rat race that we're on. And I was just, I'm like, I start to realize I have no interest in that kind of life, right? Um, but you know, the sadness that I experienced during the pandemic, um, I, going back to when I was going to go 
food shop. I went to go food shopping because I was saying I don't cook and I wasn't prepared and all that stuff. So one day I decided probably maybe three or four days into the pandemic or maybe longer, I went to go food shopping and I remember going outside and I was like, it was like desolate. It's like, no one is outside. Like, where are the people? And I remember walking and my, and I'm, I'm pointing here, but right here, my, um, my daughter, my oldest daughter lives across the street from me. And so during the pandemic, like literally during the pandemic, because we were taking it very seriously. So there was no, oh, you can just come over. Oh, we'll just hang out. I did not see my children. Mm. And right. So then I'm like walking past her building and like, I start to cry because I'm like, my, like, she's here. She's so, she's here, but like so close yet so far. And of course we FaceTime and all that, but there's nothing like being the things that we normally did was to come over, to stop by, to sit, to go out, to eat all of that we weren't doing. And then I get to the supermarket and like the shelves are, they're not fully stocked. And I was like, I felt like I was watching some, some movie. Like I was like literally in some movie and I began to cry again. And because I just was like, this is really surreal. Like what is happening? And I often think the way my brain works is I like, oh, this feels like end of world stuff. And it's the same way I felt actually I was there doing 9-11, actually worked across the street from during 9-11 and remember walking down the steps when um, the, the planes crashed. And I thought to myself then, oh, this is like the world is coming to an end. And that's what I felt again, like in this moment, in that moment of being in this, in this space. Um, but again, wanting to be very intentional about, about creating joy and connection, remembering to um, the cashiers who like ring up my food, being sure that I made eye contact and thanked her because there was a lot of thank you for people's services. Um, as it relates to healthcare workers, um, you know, frontline workers and all of that. But I was like, you know, uh, there are cashiers, you know, the, the person who's ringing up our food, the folks that are still delivering the food that were the ones that are in the supermarkets. I just wanted to make sure that I, I let her know really clearly, like how I appreciate the, her being there, but also like there was this, um, this pull too, because while there's an, there's a great an appreciation and a gratitude, there's also a sadness of knowing like I'm there because I need, I need to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then at the wages that they're getting, right. So there's that part. It's like, thank you. And then it's like, damn, right. Cause that for, I get, so there's always kind of like this, uh like a guilt that comes in, like I get to be home, right? I get to come in, do my shopping and go back home and still like work and be in the safety of my cocoon. Whereas you're here and you're like engaging with people all day long, not really having possibly having time to process or if you're processing, you're doing it as you are working, right? Kind of through. So there, you know, there's that element. Um, And then- Oh, I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. Maybe you had a question for me. <laughs> no, you're, this is exactly what I want to hear. Wait a minute. Wait, Sonia might have a question. <laughs> no, no, no. You're saying everything I would have asked. No, please, please continue. <laughs> okay. Um, I, um, 
I do when I do want to I do recall though right before I know I talked about where I was when when I had to go um leave work but I can't I think literally a week before that was I I had at that time celebrated my 48th birthday and then the pandemic hit but I was happy I also um performed wedding ceremonies so I literally got on this it was March 2nd um because my birthday was February 27th I think I went out on the 28th but that 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 Saturday, if it wasn't that Saturday, no, it was a Sunday actually. I performed a wedding ceremony, um, and I was happy to be able to to do that because I'm. And they did it just in time because right after that, we went into lockdown. Look, I have a question now. <laughs> no, so that was before all the restrictions. Okay, it was right, literally yeah. right before the restrictions had okay. hit. Um, so I got to have. So I was happy because I got to have my like 40th birthday in public because my 49th birthday year after was at, at, at home party. Um, yeah, because yes, now I start to get the timeline a little mixed up. 20, 2020, my 49th birthday. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, it just feels like a long time. I, I, I met my timeline may be off. Um, so, um, so I was, um, Again, I was at home working and fully engaged in work. And I remember doing this training. Um, oh, it was a staff, that's what it was. We were doing, I put together this staff engagement, right? The, well, leadership was like, we want to be able to get staff together. But mm-hmm. I like spearheaded the whole thing. I was the MC, the person that put together all of the um, the games, right? The, the polls, the questions, like I was, I was the MC, the tech person, like all of that, like behind the scenes, this is what we doing, like all of that, navigating it all. But a lot of the times I couldn't, there was times that I couldn't sleep either. Right. And so, um, I think part of it was the angst of what was going on. And so again, immersing myself in work, but I remember having this staff event and seeing all the staff and doing all of the an engagement asking people what their you know what's the shows that they've been watching what are their favorite movies what are they what are some of the ways they made the best out of them making the best out of of being in the pandemic um when it's over whether they anticipate themselves do what's the first thing that they're going to do um what do they miss most like all of that kind of those engagement questions and i won't i i remember afterwards i was I logged off and I was sitting there and that had to be, um, so Mother's Day was May, right? Mother's Day mm-hmm. was May. Um, so that was, I think we did that in like April or so time. And I remember sitting there and I was like, I think I'm going to go see, go spend some time with my family. And then this is like pandemic March. Now this is just a couple of months later. And people were not really traveling. People were only traveling when it was necessary. And they were like really saying, don't travel, right? You should not travel. And those who were traveling, then it seemed like when they traveled and they were actually catching COVID and bringing it. So I was sitting there and I was like, I, I really want to go spend time with my family. And so I called up um, my baba and I was like, I should, I, I want to go. And he was like, well, you know, you're telling me what all the, the news reports were saying about people are traveling and all of that stuff. But I had this like, I don't know, there was just something pulling at my spirit and it was like, go. So I was like, yeah, 
I'm going to go. So by going, what I meant by going was I was going to, I wanted to go. I have two sisters that are in Charlotte. So my two sisters are in Charlotte and my mom um, is in Charlotte. My mom had moved to Charlotte about at that time now, like five years ago at that point uh, to be with my sister who had my nephew. So I have three daughters and I'm the only one that had children until my nephew came along. And so my mom was like, well, I spend lots of time here with you all. I'm now going to go and spend some time with my grandson. And I have three daughters. And, um, and so my sister has my nephew. So just her only nephew, right? Her only grandson. So she had been there. And, um, and I was like, I'm going to go spend some time with my, at my sister. So um, I asked my sister, can we come hang out? And I was like working remotely. So I did, right? I, I, I literally, now, I didn't have a laptop. So I have a desktop, a Mac desktop, but I need to work, right? I wrapped up my Mac desktop. <laughs> I, I wrapped up my Mac, I mean, I wrapped it up in sheets and all. Now I'm, I'm mad about it. I'm mad about it because, I, and this is the crazy part. I took my Mac, my Mac with me on the plane um, and literally like when we were waiting to board the plane, like I'm like making sure I doubled mask, I had my mask on and I had my M95, like I was not playing. I had gloves. I told Nala Star, we were eating before we, we were eating before we leave. You're not eating, drinking. You're not taking down your mask under no circumstances at all. That that's, we're not doing that. Right. So mask up gloves on at the airport with my Mac desktop and I put it down on the floor. And I happened to put it down on the floor and I was leaning up against the wall because as everybody was boarding, you know how folks get when it's time to board the plane. They, they're literally like all bunched together as if you don't have a sign seat. Uh, sir, ma'am, you have a sign seat. Like, okay. So I was like, I'm staying away from people, but I didn't think that, and folks had told me that they had traveled and every time that they were on a flight, the flight was not crowded. Like I've seen people who would show pictures and it was like three people on the flight. So I thought that that was going to be my situation. It was a full flight, a full flight. I said, Lord, but they were like there. I didn't want to try. I was trying to distance myself. So I, I'm standing and waiting for everybody to board, put my, 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 my laptop, my computer down, standing this a, a corner wall, like a corner wall. And so it like tipped over, like kind of like tipped over. And by the time I got to my sister, I noticed it was like, a, a it wasn't terrible. Like you can barely, barely notice. But I cracked my goddamn on computer screen. Anyway, but that, but I was like, I didn't, I mean, it was just, it was actually um, hindsight being what it is, it's actually a very small price to pay. And I'll share why. So I go to my sisters who's in Charlotte, you know, we get to be sheltered in place with them now. They're in, they're in the South. The South protocols are quite different than New York City, right? In terms of they're a little bit more loosey-goosey, loosey right? People were not necessarily wearing their masks all the time. Um, they still could go, they could still go out. I was not messing around with them. Under that. I was like, we're not doing that. But I wanted to be with family. I also wanted to change the scene, the scenery. It was like not a star and I in the house. Uh, my daughters and them weren't having it. So I went, you know, I went South and um, got to be with one of my sisters, with one of my sisters. During that time, we, my daughters and I did a mental, um, my, I had lost my godson to suicide. Mm -hmm. um, and we were doing a mental health, walk, uh, mental health walk. 
Mm. And we had, we did it like two years ago and it was time for us to do it again. At this point, we're like, well, we'll do it every other year. And so I was like, well, it's the pandemic. Like, how are we going to do this? Cause we can't, we're not. And, and plus I was there and plus folks wasn't necessarily in New York city. They weren't gathering like that. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, I was being the resourceful me. Um, we still ordered shirts um, and people were still going out, right? We were encouraged to go out, to walk, to get some fresh air. So I figured that like, we still set the date and then people can like still do their, um, their five, was it five, five K? I think it was five K. They can still do their work from their respective places, wherever they are, that they could still participate. Um, so um, we did the walk in my um, my sister's complex where she lives, lives in the very good complex. So we like did the walk in that particular area. And my mom who lived from the east side, west side from where she is, um, she didn't come over to do the walk at the time, um, but she, the day that we got up to do the walk, she um, videotaped herself with her walker. And she, and my mom is young, by the way, but she had like hip surgery, knee surgery. I'd say was young, right? She passed when she was 65 years old. Oh, that's young. Yeah. She's young, right? Um, and so, 65, um, she, so she gets up and she sends us a video doing her walker. And she puts her cell phone like on her walker and she's like walking and she's like, I'm going to do, she was like, my daughter is doing a walk and I'm supporting them with their mental health walks. I'm going to go downstairs. So, so she like walked herself downstairs to her building and just like walked a little bit outside the building and came up. But that was her way of contributing to the walk. But that's who my mother was. She is a woman that shows up and it's very supportive. Um, so just like having her participate in that way was sweet. And um, so she, then that day, my sisters and stuff, I think later on, I think the day of the walk, if I remember correctly, I don't remember, but I think I remember correctly. Later on that day, um, we had see, we had like a seafood dinner. She came over. Um, and sometime I can't, I can't actually remember all like the days per se, but there was a few times that we got to a couple and quite a number of time that we got to spend. I think I stayed there for about a month. Um, so there was an occasion when obviously she did the walk thing. Um, while I was also there, there was the, um, my cousin had did a march within her neighborhood, um, for George, George Floyd. Um, and then I was there and amongst the majority of the folks that were there were white, white people. And um, at the march, just the neighborhood that she lived in and just like listening to them and their take on all that was occurring. And so I got to speak at the march. Um, and while the focus was on George Floyd, I wanted to remind everyone of Rihanna Taylor because what often happens is black women, like we seem to be forgotten. Um, and also she was the, the close to the same age as my daughters, right? And so just kind of bringing that to the forefront and an honoring of her. So, so while I wasn't home here, I still was carrying the work, if you will, um, while I was there and got to be a voice uh, for, for the people there. And, um, and then so we did that and it was the, the seafood broil that we had. And then I braided my mother's hair 
um, while I was there. I did a lot of hair braiding. Like I braided my mother's hair. I braided my sister's hair. I braided my daughter's hair. There was a lot of hair braiding going on. Um, and nobody could braid my hair. I think it was too short at the time though. But even if I did, no one would be able to braid my hair. I, I don't know how I did that. I'm like, how do I have three daughters like and able to do and like it just, and I still got paid to get my hair done. Um, but I remember braiding my mom's hair and, um, and actually her, her braids came out the best in my opinion. And one of my favorite pictures of her um, was of her hair being of the braid that the style that I did with her hair, the picture that she took and that it was at my nephew's birthday party. So we were going to come back when my sister was like, I'm going to do a birthday party for my nephew, for, for my nephew, he was going to be seven. And so um, she was like, I'll move it up a little bit so that you guys could stay. So she did that, which was, I get so emotional because this, this is what you'll come to know is that this time spent, this time spent the, the, ink, the, the pulling of my heartstrings to say, go, 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 go. And the fact that I did go um, to go spend that time, I would come to know. And um, that was May, June. Um, and then in October, got a call that my mother was um, basically, she was going to die mm. from that within that like, And so this thinking back on being at my sister's, and I remember my mom comes over the day I was doing her hair, and she brings this CD. Oh, actually, I, I'm, this is random that is actually sitting right here. Um, so a friend of mine and I, we did this a play so many years ago, and it's called The Journey. Um, live and love, live and, sorry, love and live to love again, hip hop, jazz, urban soul, right? So it's me and my friend, um, her name is Keisha, but um, to Keisha Michon. Um, and so we did this play, it was a musical hip hop play. And so my mother had the CD and she came over to my sisters and she bought the CD. Now we don't really have CD players, right? No, I don't know. But my sister had her laptop, but she had the old Apple laptop, the one where you actually could slide the CD in the side. <laughs> I have this video of her. And so she put, brings the CD and she slide it in and she's like mouthing the words to my song. Like she knows the words to my song. So like to be able to like spend that time with her to braid her hair, to, be, to like listen to the song. I was wondering when we found out that she had cancer and that it had progressed to the, to the point of her being in liver failure in October oh. um, and flew out there to, to be in the hospital with her for about a week before she was able to come home and be in hospice. Um, so did hospice at home. And that was, um, that was about, and by maybe about two, two and a half weeks later, not, not even probably a full two weeks later. Um, and I was, I was with her to the, the, the good fortune of continuing to work. So I like my, I went back there after being in the hospital with her for the week and then finding out that she was um, going to die. That was, that was something. I just want to take a pause. I could feel myself like kind of running past that. Um, but that was something right to have, to have, to have an experience where you are in the hospital and you are li like literally listening to the doctors tell someone, not just someone, my mother, that um, you're gonna die. Mm. And let me just tell you, I am 
I emote and I cry and I don't have a problem with doing that. Um, but I was watching her and I was watching how she received this news. And we talked, I asked questions, I asked, does she have any questions? Is there anything? And I remember the social worker saying, if there's anything that you, is there anything that you want to do, anything, you know, anything you need or want, now would be the time to be selfish. Now would be the time. And she said, no, there, there isn't. And, and, I, and I know that I could be, I know that my daughters will take care of me. If there's anything that I need, I don't, won't hesitate to ask. I know that they'll take care of me. And then the social worker leaves the room and I kind of sit there and I'm still watching her. And she just goes, that was a lot. Her phone rings, she picks up her phone. Hey, how you doing? Yes, yeah, then, then how, you, how you doing Vanessa? She's like, girl, I'm good, how about you? What you got going on over there? Yeah. I share that not as a thing to like impress upon or think that there's some like some badge of honor to be like knowing that you're going to die and then seeming like you're pretending that's not going to happen. I don't think she pretended at all. I think she was very clear. And I think that she accepted it because she also, I think she, and, and, very, and relatively quickly, because I think what for my mother and the life that she had and what she experienced, I don't know that she that thought that she would even get to 65 based upon some of her earlier challenges that she had in her life. And so I think the fact that she was able to live 65, also have this amazing um, daughters and be able to see us grow to the women that we are, her grandchildren to be present. She was, she was, um, she also made sure that she always had like had her camcorder and her iPad and record moments and all of that. And so she was that person. So I think that she, um, she was just grateful, grateful um, for the life that she led and what she got to experience. So for her, I think it was less about what I'm not going to see or experience anymore, but what I'm grateful for what I had experienced. So in that moment, I could not even bring myself to cry, right? Because in that moment I said, I'm still here by the grace of God, right? Like I'm going to cry. Yes. I'm not saying that I shouldn't and it doesn't hurt. I'm going to cry, but like, like she's the one that's going to die. And so I remember sitting there, we go through the evening, we talk, we get up, she like goes to the, like help us to the bathroom. And then I said, um, I was standing by her bed and I, I can remember there was a moment of tension, right? Because I, while I didn't, it was all built. I just got this news. Like, so it's all still building up, but I'm like holding. And then she wanted me to plug something in and do something. And I went to plug it in. And then she kind of yelled at me kind of a little bit. And then I was like, mm. she was like, oh, don't be so sensitive. Right. She kind and cause she knew that like, she probably knew that I would probably like start, like I would cry, but I wouldn't be really crying about that. I'd be crying about everything else. Right. Um, and then like we're standing there and I didn't. And then she said, 
is something. My mother's something else, honey. She says, oh. So my everyone calls me Kiki, but my mother, my mother calls me by the name that she birthed me with. This is Keisha. And she says, you so grown up. You, you done growed up. And I was like, what? She was like, you're not a crybaby, right? You're not a cry, you're not a crybaby. Cause she realized that all that was going on. And historically I'd be like, like bawling. Mm-hmm. And I did, right. Um, and I don't know what, what to make of that. Cause I was like, lady, that's not something I want to wear like as a badge of honor. Like I'm not crying at my mother. I also didn't want to think that that didn't mean that I didn't think, and I know she didn't think that, that I didn't, wasn't moved by or hurt by it or sad by it. Um, but I also was just taking my, I was taking my emotional cues from her mm-hmm. ultimately. Right. And then, and, and she was uh, seemingly filled with joy and like engaging and still engaging with life. So, um, so I didn't, but when I got into that, I had my sister's car and I was leaving to, uh, or car, whatever. And I was on my way home. I don't even know how I made it home, made it mm-hmm. back to the house. Cause that's when it all like kind of released at that moment. Um, but she got to come home um, for the week and we did hospice and the kids and everybody was still there. And so we got to spend time, watch some home videos with her that she had. Um, and I still have the home videos that I have yet. Mama, I still have not converted those home videos, but my mama thought that I, I lost the home videos. She thought that I, that I didn't have them anymore. Cause she kept asking me to convert them. And then she kept calling me like, and all, did you convert the home videos yet? Did you convert the home videos yet? Well, just send them to me and I'll take care of them. And then she's like, just tell me if you didn't do it. So in my mind, like hindsight being what it is, the, the, the video, the, not the video, the music CD that she gave me, right. That we listened to the harassing, I'm going to call it harassing of these home videos. She kept asking for, and just tell me, I wonder if she knew. I wonder if she mm-hmm. um, and I don't I actually I don't I don't get lost in that because it, it doesn't serve me to, but I mm-hmm. do wonder if she knew. Um, but I enjoyed the time that we spent. And so I, I then come home for after she got the hospital, I come home to get my kind of affairs in order because I have a child that was like in school and making sure that. Um, she's getting set up to be taken care of. My oldest daughter was going to look after her because my mother was going to be in hospice at home and we don't know how long she had, right? So it's like, I'm going to be there with her for as long as, if it took six months, it would be six months. If it took a year, it was going to be a year. Like I was going to be with her. Um, and so I got my affairs in order a week, about a week, and I went back. Um, and then uh, my sisters and I took turns and being able to like take care of her um, during that time. And within... I want to, it was like, I want to say it was a week and a half mm. past. Um, so rest in peace, Vanessa Brown. <sighs> phenomenal, 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 phenomenal woman. Um, a woman who birthed me at 17 years old, who did not have everything that she fully needed to be able to fully get to. But when she could, she did. And she uh, leaves a legacy of love, support, um, what it is to show up, to be intentional about joy, um, to make sure that you for- forgiveness is at the baseline of how she lived her life, right? Like forgiveness, not carrying anything unnecessarily because she's, and she's a believer. She always said, you're as sick as your secrets. 
Like I'm not holding anything. I'm releasing stuff, right? Uh-huh. Get to forgive me. If you don't forgive me, it's okay. Cause I'm going to forgive myself, but I'm not going to let nobody make me feel bad about anything that I have done or not done because I'm not carrying that. That is not mine to carry. And she would tell you, don't carry other people's stuff. I'm telling you, don't do it. Right. So she was like really kind of from that spirit. So I missed her. Uh, I miss her immensely. Um, um, and it was so much more that occurred then, but that was like, that was in pandemic March that happened in November, which she passed. So a lot of my continuation of being in pandemic was rooted in grief, right? Um, grief that I'm grateful that I won, grateful if, if there's any gratitude for the pandemic, that it occurred that she passed during that time. Mm-hmm. because I was able to be with her, right? So many people have to kind of reconcile how do I, or like non-pandemic, take time off of work to be able to be, like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have to do that. Um, I still got to like do my work and be with my mom. Um, and I'll pause there. I'm sorry for your loss. And thank you for sharing that. You're an amazing person. Wow. Um, I should have... Mentioned, I only had an hour. Can we do a part two? Yes, we can. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because I want to hear more. I'd love to schedule um, another. uh, Yeah, we'll schedule offline. And then we can do that. Let's definitely do that. Thank you, Keisha. You're welcome. Thank Thank you you so much. Part two to be continued because I got so much more. I got so much more to share, y'all. I feel like I'm doing my dynamite thing. It's, uh, there's so much more to share. Yes, we're going to hear about your television debut yes, during the pandemic. During the pandemic. My pandemic life was, was, was somewhat sad, but it was also popping. You know, it's a little good and all. It, it was good. So, so to be continued. I'll, I'll be in touch. Thank all you. Right, thank you, Sonia. All right. Bye-bye.